Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever and whenever you may be listening to us, the great wide world brought together by the internet. We are the last three guys to do a podcast with our special live show on Facebook. Appreciate you all watching in. Happy Halloween. Hope you already enjoyed your trick-or-treat and hope you had safe, uh, safe time out. And if uh, you're going a little later tonight, hope you will be safe and practice all precautions with your little munchkins as you canvas the neighborhood looking for goodies. Well, here in Atlanta, we've already had a trick in the form of the Atlanta Falcons, but we're hoping for a really big treat going on a little bit later tonight by Leon's neck of the woods as Daniel Bolton and Leon Brown join me here for our remote podcast taping. And Leon, of course, he's got uh, the battery and Truist Park is literally in his backyard. And right now all of Metro Atlanta is converging on that for game five of the World Series between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. And the Braves own a three to one advantage. They won game three, they won game four. They now sit on the precipice of their first World Series title, Atlanta's first uh, national championship title, if you want to discount the Atlanta United, since 1995. So this is a seismic event that is occurring down in Leon's neck of the woods. And Leon, I know you're focused on that Charger-Patriot game, but what has it been like with everything going on and Atlanta winning those two games, game three and four? What has it been like in your neighborhood? So, guys, just one word can describe what's going on over here. Besides the lack of Houston Astros offense, you know, I don't know what some of their team is, their lack of bats, but traffic, <laughs> pure, unadulterated congestion. <laughs> just, just crazy traffic. I've, I've never seen it like this over here. Um, I was I was out in the valley. I was out in the valley in the cold for until about six thirty. Uh-huh. I had to tuck it back. I had to tuck it back in. It's a lot of traffic going around here. I mean, it's it's, it's, lot, it's lots of people. You can tell that everybody's ready. It's a holiday right now. It's Halloween. It's it, it's prime for Atlanta to close this series out. Houston. I, I don't know what became of Houston. All of a sudden, they, you know. We're, I, I was actually fearful of Atlanta. I thought that Atlanta had a great run, that, you know, the World Series just been enough. But it seems to me Houston, the Houston Astros, went from being one of the most prolific offenses that we've ever witnessed, especially, I mean, they're like one of the best two-strike hitting team that we've seen, to virtual no-shows. I mean... <laughs> I, I don't know what's the time. Maybe maybe the spotlight's too bright for them. Maybe it's some of that. Uh, maybe the baseball guys are putting some of that karma on them for them showing those calls. But it seems to me that they they are right for the closing tonight, guys. And it's gonna. And I'm, I'm just preparing for the earthquake that's going to hit in celebration. We're talking about at least an 8.9 on the Richter scale. I mean, this this, this area is ready to explode, guys. They're ready to explode. That, that's the that's the vibe I'm giving. I'm, I'm, it's likened to Chernobyl. The, the countdown has begun. So it's just it's just crazy out there. Now, are people already starting to gather? I mean, the game doesn't tip up. Our first pitch isn't for another hour and a half, but is traffic already a mess up and down Car Park, Car Parkway? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. If you, I mean, I'm talking about from. From Car Parkway all the way down to the mall. It's to the point where signs are out. They're stating that, hey, if you park in this mall and you leave your car attended, you're getting towed. <laughs> wow. Man. Yeah. And it's probably so been like that since yesterday, too, right? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they're pretty much clocking everybody. If you look at um, all, all of the mini malls and, and all the mini malls up and down Car Parkway, from, I mean, I think all the probably down to Walmart. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty much, they're watching people's cars closely. They're, they're, they're watching where people are walking. They're making sure that, hey, if you're not walking to any place of commerce, your cars are likely to be sold. That's how, that's how crazy it's getting later. That's kind of surprising. I would have thought that either they would have 
either A, charge parking in all these lots, or B, say, you know what, this is something the city hasn't seen in 30 years, almost 30 years. This is something we, as a sports market, Atlanta desperately wants, desperately needs for the psyche. Just, you know, let, let by, for one night, let bygones be bygones. That's what I, that's personally what I thought they would, what I thought they would do. You know, just for one night, because this, because regardless, this is going to be the last baseball game to be played at Truist Park this season, win or lose. If the Braves lose, then yes, they have to go to Houston for two games to wrap this thing up. I would have just said in the in the spirit of just community togetherness, either charge a minimal parking parking uh, fee, or just you know let it go. But I, I guess the city of Marietta and are not happening. No, I guess not. They're not happening. But Leon kind of gets to a Leon's kind of kind of hit upon another point: how the Astros have just completely been taken out of this series offensive wise. They their bats have not been. It seems like their bats got stuck at bat in baggage claim. Uh, at Hartsfield Jackson, they just have not been hitting as well because the it seems like no matter what Brian Snitker has done, it's worked. Whenever whatever changes he's made, yes, he used Dylan Lee last night. Dylan Lee only recorded one out, but then Kyle Wright comes in and pitches the performance of his life. And it just seems that like that no matter what has gone against Atlanta this this series or this season. Charlie Morton, the injuries, the Braves have found a way to bounce back and be actually better than they were before. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, the the clear-cut answer is that Braves pitching has been better. And this is, this is what we know about any level of baseball. If your pitching is not up to par, if you can out-pitch the other teams, then you're going to win. And that's what's going on. But, but it's like I said on last week's show. Why is this, all of this is happening? The Atlanta Braves are the team that was not supposed to be where they are now. They were supposed to get beaten by the Milwaukee Brewers. No one told them that. They were supposed to get beaten again by the mighty, mighty defending world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Nobody sent them that memo. <laughs> they are now one game away from winning their first world title since I was 11 years old. Right. Y'all can try to guess what my age is. Yes. So, and I said my age on the show. So, it is what it is. Now, the question is, listen, we can't ride these Astros out. We can't just shove them away. But when you... When you win games like the way that they won last night, it was two to nothing, but it seemed like for a long time the Astros were just pounding on us. We couldn't get nothing going through six, seven innings. And once Altuve hit the home run, it was like, oh, well, here we go. Here we go again, right? And then all of a sudden the seventh inning comes up and Dansby Swanson goes yard. Then after Swanson goes yard, here comes uh, Jorge Soler, who now might end up being, if he has another great game tonight, he could be the World Series MVP because he has hit two big home runs in the series. He started the series off, and he's finishing it now. Uh, and, and let's not talk about this. This is what really told me that this series could be over. Did y'all see Rosario's catch last night? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Those kind of plays, those kind of plays, Leon and John, puts, puts teams away. That was Altuve. That came off of Altuve's back. And they said in 26 other parts that would have been a home run. Mm -hmm. I know it would have been a home run in Yankee Stadium. Oh, yes. Yeah, without question. Those kind of plays indicates to you that there is something in the air. And I don't even think it matters if they take it back to Houston. Their bullpen right now with Mastic. And you saw the way Kyle Wright, like John mentioned earlier, Kyle Wright mentioned last night. Will Smith is shutting them down. Luke Jackson. Listen, you can actually honestly say 
when you're going back to the Milwaukee series, we were uh, Charlie Morton one pitch too much away from a sweep. In the Dodgers series, we were a Luke Jackson high fastball away from a sweep of the Dodgers, possibly, or ending that in five. And really in game two, we just really didn't show up in game two. Freed was just not on his money. We could have swept them really in game five as well. We, we really could have swept the series when we think about it. Yes. But Atlanta understands the situation. This is They are the hottest team with the best story. Mm-hmm. That's what this is all about. And most times when you are a hot team with a better story, you're going to win this series. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta actually not just won this series, but completely blew the Astros out tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. All right. We got your prediction. I think I think we I think the Braves need to win this ball game because we've got the off day coming up and then it goes back to Houston for the Tuesday and Wednesday. I think yep. for the Braves they should win because I don't want any doubt starting to creep in. Exactly. And you wanna close you've got them down. After yesterday's game where you mentioned they're 2 nothing, they're leading late, they think they got this in the bag, and all of a sudden Atlanta escapes with the victory. This Astro team is demoralized now, and you're absolutely right, Daniel. I want to kick them while they're down. I don't want them to get up. I don't want them to even start thinking about coming back because I know it's going to get in Atlanta's head, even though we're trying not to think about it. It's only natural that we wind up thinking about it and I want I I just and basically I out of sight out of mind I don't want to think about this I don't want to realize this I just want to make sure we kick them down and so it doesn't become a self-fulfilling prophecy that a self-fulfilling prophecy because let's be honest I mean we're all thinking it we are all thinking it but we don't in the you know, we don't eat, but we don't want it to happen. Naturally, yes, yeah, we don't want this to happen. Go ahead, Liam. Speaking of Jose Altuve, it seems to me that that catch last night is just a microcosm of the overall macrocosm of his series. I mean, this man had been at the bat 18 times. 18. With only four positive outcomes, and out of those four positive outcomes, two of them were, were homers. But at the same time, he's batting under 20%. I mean, he's not the only one. I mean, all of, I mean, their, their whole slash lineup. Alex Bregman, he's been to the plate. He, he just seems lost. I, I don't understand what's going on with him. Jordan Alvarez, he's lost. Carlos Carrera, two, I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm, trying, I'm glad he's better on the third. And Leon, and Leon, it's, it's funny you say that. Uh, out of all of them, Bregman and Correa are the surprises because they're, they're the veterans on this team, and those are the two surprises besides Altuve. Uh, I mean, other than Altuve, those are the two surprises. And they've been completely quiet, but it's it's just been, I, I think, to me, it's old to great pitching. Atlanta is pitching the lights out. They, they look like they are the best bullpen. Like they've been the best bullpen in the world, and Brian Snicker is actually managing the mess out of these games. That's another thing we don't talk about. He is out managing Dusty Baker, mm-hmm. and, and and with this series, it's kind of a, a, a back and forth thing because Dusty Baker is is probably the greatest manager to never win a World Series. He can take a team to the divisional championship. He's went to the World Series before. But he just can't get it done, right. and it, it hurts for me to see that he has to lose. But <laughs> it's what it is. I'm, I'm gonna go for the home team first. But he's being outmanaged right now, and it's not. And it's not really because of him. It's because a couple of pitches. I mean, look, you're a couple of pitches away, and there's really nothing that you can do about it. And, and tonight, he's got to rely on his big three, like Leon mentioned. 
Correa, Bregman, Altuve, they have to step up if they want to win, if they want to keep this series alive. If you don't have those guys, they don't have a shot. Because Atlanta, I, I really believe they're going to come out blazing. I mean, I'm talking about from the first inning on, they're going to keep the pressure on. They understand the situation, even though they haven't been in this situation, but they understand it. Yeah, they understand the assignment. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that has been the new that, thing that's been going on, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had to put it in here. Yeah, yeah. But they do. Yeah, the Pounds are definitely, I mean, not the Braves are definitely understanding the assignment. And, I mean, it's like the plate, the, the, the plate is prime. It's a holiday. You got the city ready to explode. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just, I mean, this, this is going to be crazy, guys. I, 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 I can feel it. I mean, I wonder at some point are the musical composers of the game going to play the Phil Collins song. I'm waiting on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Phil Collins, they're going to play it. About the eighth inning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. My team isn't in the World Series, but at the same time, I live in a city where the possible championship. I, I, you know, you know, listen. I've never lived in a city of a team that won the World Series. Really, man? I'm never telling you. Never I, I'm telling you. Back in '95, when I, I I can remember where I was. When Grissom caught the fly ball to center, see that's how much I remember it. When when we were when we won the world championship, I remember what Bob Costas said. That I think it was one of the most iconic calls that he that that anybody could ever make. When Bayerga flied out the right, the right uh, to left center field, Grissom's under it. The team of the '90s has his world championship, and my brother was like sitting right there, and. My grandmother was right there. My grandfather rest both of their souls. They were all, we were all in the room. My mom was in the room. And we were just, it was just a, a it was just an elation. In fact, they had, they had the parade like on a Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And me and my two cousins, uh, one of them, she's no longer with us. But we went to the parade. And I was there. I was downtown Atlanta, 11 years old, had to skip school to go to this parade. <laughs> and, I mean, the city was just on fire. And David just pointed at me. I remember that. <laughs> I didn't remember. He pointed. He was on this float. Man, it was, it was an incredible scene down here. And even at that time, see, these two times are different. Because, remember... Atlanta was the team of the 90s. Nobody could beat them until they got to the World Series. And then you had the, the Twins. It was probably one of the greatest World Series ever still, the 91 series between the Twins and the Braves. Then you had 92. And then we didn't even get to the World Series in 93 uh, because the Phillies had beat us. The Phillies had beat us. Right. And then the strike happened in 94, and then here we come in 95. And it was, and it was like, man, you could just kind of feel it. We just had this urge against a Cleveland Indians team who could hit. Uh, they were the best hitting team in baseball at that time, but we had the best, we had the best pitching rotation, and that's what it's coming down to. This year, an eighty-seven win team who loses their one, three, and four hitters, who loses their eight, uh, who loses one of their their young studs at at uh, pitcher in Soroka. Um, I believe Ian Anderson missed some time. Yeah, they missed, missed some time. time. Everybody missed. Everybody time. missed. Everybody missed time. Mm-hmm. And and look at the postseason. Ozzy Albies is not really batting now at the plate. No, he's not really. Yeah, he's he's struggling at the plate. Freddie Freeman hit hit probably one of the most important home runs when he uh uh hit one off a of hater. Who was the best closer in baseball <laughs> and wins the series and wins the Brewers series for us. But yet we're waiting on him to show up. But guess what? It's not about them. It's about what our GM has done. 
and how and, and, and he's proven to be the, probably the GM of the year. You get out and get Soler, Rosario, Duvall. Yep. Get you you get you go out and get yeah you go out and get all of them. And guess what? Those are the guys that are winning the series for us. Yep. Those are the guys that have stepped up and done what they needed to do. And after all the vitriol that Brian Snitker, the bullpen, Alex Anthropoulos, after all everything yep. they have endured over the course of this season from the Twitter, from the fan base, how wonderfully ironic would it be for those three to be the main factors in Atlanta getting the series, winning the World Series? Truly, truly ironic and iconic. Yes. That should, that should say something to every single person who wants to vent against his or her favorite player team with a tweet that winds up going viral. It, you know, yep. don't. There's a reason why they are that why they are in that position, and you are on your couch drinking a beer. So there's a reason why they are in that position, why you are in your position. Just remember that. Yep. And that's that's all. And that's you know, what there is a plan, and you know you gotta. I hate to put it so succinctly, but you gotta trust the process. And for the Braves, you gotta trust the process. And for the Braves, if they can get 27 more outs and get a run, or two, or three, or four, or ten. They will be yeah. world champions. And as you mentioned, Daniel, that 95 season won right after a strike, although the 2021 season was won right after the craziness of last season. But it's just something that I think would be great. And here's the other thing. Where is the parade going to – where would the parade be? Yeah, right. That's would it be downtown Parkway? Or are they going to have it downtown? Because they're, because you know, they're in the suburbs. They're in Marietta. So, are we going to yeah. have the parade down Cobb Parkway? Oh, by the way, the um, in '95. Don't ask me why I know this. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, their team hotel was that Marriott that's right behind uh, Truist Park. That's right on the other side of 75 from Truist. That was their team hotel really? in '95. Wow. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. And I, Very fun fact. And I have absolutely no idea why I know that, but I do. <laughs> okay. Again, I'm John Morgan with, with Leon and Daniel here. Last few guys do a podcast. We're talking about World Series. We're talking about how the Braves are 27 outs and one game away from being world champions of baseball in the 2021 season. Again, there is a lot left to play in that World Series. And even though the Astros demoralized after yesterday and possibly after uh, the last two nights, Friday as well. Don't count them out. They are there for a reason. And if not, they still have trash cans. Um, they, so they are there for a reason. Don't count them out. We don't have... It's a very kind of weird little situation because... As much as we want to celebrate, it's right there. It's right in front of us, but so much has happened. And we kind of got into this a little bit, both in Atlanta and uh, both in, in Atlanta baseball and beyond to make us just say, okay, let's not count our chickens before they're hatched. But there's just a pent up, a simmering, a simmering of just a jubilation that is so ready to explode and this city is basically beside itself wanting for it to explode and this might be the night that 25 years of frustration gets removed in one glorious glorious uh, paroxysm of ecstasy and again we hope it happens but if it doesn't there's still chances Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday but again you know, but then their doubt would start creeping in, and if this goes seven, Atlanta would pretty much be saying, "Okay, here, here it comes again," and the city will be at a civil war with its psyche. So that's why let's get it out of the way tonight. And speaking of getting things out of the way, the Atlanta Falcons again 
Just when we think the Falcons turned the corner, they put up another dud. And this one at the hands of the Carolina Panthers, missing Christian McCaffrey. They lose to, uh, the Falcons lose to the Panthers, 19-13. And Sam Darnold, speaking of people giving up for dead, we thought Carolina and Sam, not the answer, but Sam Darnold comes up from the grave and is able to handle the Falcons in that particular matchup. Daniel, why can't we just get a why can't why are we unable to get a read on these Falcons? Because they're so inconsistent. This is today we lost to a good defense. Yeah, Carolina's got a pretty good defense. They got the uh, the leader sack. They got the uh, sack leader in Hassan Reddick who actually got to Matt Ryan and got a sack. And we lost to a pretty good defense that has an underachieving quarterback. I mean, let's just call it what it is. This is what happens every single time. We make a mediocre quarterback look like he's God. Yes. Like he's a like he's a quarterback God. And Donald didn't really do much. He scored a touchdown. He uh of course he, he didn't uh have a turnover or anything like that, although there was one turnover a piece, but it's it's just it, it gets so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Now, offensively, can we really say that it was because Calvin really was missing? Well, no, he was missing last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks. Uh, he was right, when we was in London. Yes, three weeks ago. And and okay, you know, give you know, let's you know, let's pray for that brother because well, we can, uh, we you know, it. he said, yeah, his, his mental health. You know, saying he had to sit out for that or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, you still have. A dynamic offense when you have Cordero Patterson, you have Mike Davis. I saw Mike Davis kind of get going a little bit, but it's it's like with this team, you just can't put a finger on it. We had drops again on third down. Kyle Pitts dropped the pass that was right in the right in the bread basket. I don't know how perfect Matt Ryan can throw it, but then Matt Ryan makes goes off and makes two interceptions that you just had to kind of question, mm-hmm. you know. And they, they those were on him. And it's a bit frustrating. And the defense still can't still can't stop nobody. They can they can their defense could be a doorstop and they still can't stop the door from closing. <laughs> it, it just it just doesn't make sense to me on how a team that talented uh, on paper could just miss spots like they do. Donald's making throws like quick throws and he's across the middle and he's and it's nothing to him. It's it's frustrating to watch them because you can't put a pin on it. But I'll tell you what lost the game and how I knew it was going to, we were going to lose the game. When Kyle Pitts dropped that pass on third down, and Young Way Koo, who who I think is if it's if it's two guys that I don't have a question about, it's him and it's Grady Jarrett on this team. It's them. But once he misses once he misses the uh, the field goal, I said, "Oh yeah, well the Panthers are going to run the are going to run the clock out because we can't stop them running the football." Right. They get teams on first down average at least seven yards uh, uh, a carry on first down, which sets up a second and manageable, possibly a third and manageable. So it's. It, it gets frustrating to see that, and I just I don't know where we go from here. This was a bad loss. We got we are at New Orleans, and we are at Dallas the next two weeks. Yep. This is a loss we did not need. And this is the thing about them, they, they lose games that, and they know that it's important not to lose these games. It's it's, it's frustrating. It is. It really is to watch as a fan some of the things that they do or they don't do. And and I'm frustrated with you. And I know Leon's frustrated today. Because yep. it's always uh, the same thing uh, uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> Man, the same thing's going on with my team right now. Well, they just, well, the Chargers just scored. So it's 27-23 uh, with the extra point coming, 40 seconds remaining. Chargers still have some life. Because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna try for the for the uh, onside kick coming out of this. Yeah, 
from what I noticed about the Falcons today, I was, you know, this it, it seemed as if this, this was like a trap game because this we're talking about we're talking about a thousand. I mean, you guys are first off a three game winning streak, and you guys need all the minimum the momentum you guys can muster to go up into New Orleans and Dallas and come out with W to go off and you know make make for a nice comfortable stride. But at the same time, you guys were down. I believe if you guys had Calvin, if the Falcons had Calvin Ridley, we would have seen a different result. But you guys are going with a pretty much a skeleton crew in your wide in, in your wide receiving core. Is I mean, I've been a very harsh Matt Ryan critic, but I have to be fair. There's only so much the man can do when he yeah, right. has it. You know, when you don't have your guy out there, you're just out there throwing to a bunch of guys. And you know, so. It's, 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 it's a loss. It's, it's a bad loss. I'm not trying to go off. There are no more victories in football, especially professional sports. There are no more victories. And regardless of what's going on, this right here was a win that the Falcons needed because you guys need to be on 500, especially going into to, to the next two weeks. But stranger things have happened. Things have to be, um, you, you, things have to be put together. Um, I believe Calvin Ridley will be back next week. And things have to go forward, man. You, you guys got to move forward. And I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something about Calvin Ridley. And I'm not. And listen, and the brother is probably going through some mental things. You know, it's just some personal issues that he's going on with. Yeah. And we, you know, we all, you know, promote mental health. Okay. Listen, brother, if you if you have to do what you have to do, I I, I applaud you for stepping away from the game to get yourself together. You know what I'm saying? But let's talk about him for a second as far as being on the field. This is, this is before he came out and said, hey, look, I, I need to, you know, get my head straight. Calvin Ridley was, he's a he's the number one. After leaving, Julio, after Julio Jones left him, after Julio Jones was traded, he now became the number one. And I think, guys, and I think that's, that's gotten to him. I think the spotlight might have been too much for him. Okay. Calvin Ridley was, was not making the plays that number one receivers are expected to make. And it, that's what I think kind of got to us, and that's what we're seeing with him. And I think he sees it with him himself. He just wasn't making plays that number ones can make. Uh. It was what game was that? That was, uh, I believe, it was the Washington football team game where he, where we had about seven drops in that game. Ridley had about four of them, and those are catches that number ones have to make. It, you, you, you have to show up in big time spots, and I think that's what's gotten to him. He, I think he feels as if he hasn't lived up to being that guy. Because he he was a he's been dynamic the first four seasons, and that's that's probably his thing. So I hope he gets himself better. I, he needs to take as much time as he feels. Um, and if he comes come back focused, come back focused. But it has to also show on the football field as well. Yes. But yeah, I'm good. Look, it kind of it tests. It's a testament to how different today's culture is, because I can guarantee you, 10, 15 years ago, if he made this request, the answer would be given to him in four words. And you know what the four words would be? Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Now things. That is absolutely right. Things have changed. The dynamic has changed, so that. It's being, I don't know if celebrating is the right word, but he's like, okay, he's doing the right things. He's getting right with himself before he can produce. The line between mental health and everything else that's going on in your life is been made paramount. We now realize that unless you think well, you cannot perform well, and that your head is... It, you can't turn it off like you know, like we thought we could. 
and we've re- right. we've realized that we've accepted it. That's most important. We've accepted it because if, like I said, ten years ago, if this would have meant a you know, if not an outright suspension, definitely a release. Well, a suspend. If not a release, then a suspension. I mean, it definitely would not have received nearly as much support as he's getting now. And the fan base is behind him, which is even more incredible. I have, you know, there have not been many, if at all, people um, criticizing him for this. So it's just a, it's just an incredible testament to how far society has progressed in this aspect of things. That we've learned that toughness, physical stoicism, uh, I'm sorry, stoicism, just, you know, refusing to talk about it, we've realized that is not very, that is not helpful to your long-range mental uh, forecast, mental makeup. It's not helpful. We've realized this, and I just think it's amazing as a society how far we've progressed for that. So, yeah, I mean, that's just my person. That's just my personal take on it. Um, yeah. So, so John, mm-hmm. if you're the GM for the Falcons and you have your feature wide receiver um, calling out for mental health issues, and then we blend in Daniel's possible explanation for his absence, I believe there's merit to that. Especially yeah. start when you start looking, yes. you know, because at, at the end of the day, numbers. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna use a John quote. I'm, I like, I like doing those. <laughs> but he said, "Certainly, like the, the, the NFL has never been accused of having a soul. They never been accused of having one. And numbers have numbers have no emotions. And what I heard out of Daniel was he started talking about the numbers. So if you look at his numbers." In comparison to the first four seasons, and ever since he became the feature wide receiver, well, and you know, as a result of Julio being traded, it seems that it's getting to him. And if I'm gonna use John's logic, that's not a good enough reason to sit out. Well, another thing is now without Julio, he is getting the number one cornerback is being paired against him at all times. And another thing is, the Falcons are not expressing, uh, they, they really don't have that secondary target. Kyle Pitts, we thought he was going to get there, but he, but as Daniel mentioned, he had a couple of, he had six targets, a couple of drops, and only two catches for 13 yards. I mean, Matt Ryan only threw for about 150 yards today. And Darnold threw for about 120, 130, but he ran for 66 yards. And that's something that Matt Ryan is not going to do. That's not what he's known for. I mean, you got to get the running attack going. You got to get, you got to, basically, you got to figure out where, as much as we love using Cordero Patterson as a Swiss Army knife, you know, use him wherever, I think it would help if he just had one role and stuck to it. So we can possibly develop Mike Davis, see if he's that long-term answer, or if Cordero Patterson is that long-term answer. I mean, Cordero Patterson was forced back into the wideout role without, with uh, Calvin Ridley on the bench, He was, and he was forced to that role because they didn't have Calvin, so they had to kind of, kind of, reju- they kind of basically had to juggle things on the fly, and I think the announcement that Calvin wasn't playing, I think it only went came da- came out maybe two hours before game time. Because I don't think yeah. he wasn't on. He wasn't on the original Atlanta Falcons injury chart that was released. I guess Wednesday or Friday. In fact, there was nobody listed on that injury chart. Everyone was presumed healthy, and also we hear that Calvin's not playing. And he kind of he kind of went into more detail with an Instagram post about what exactly he's going through and all that. So the Atlanta Falcons game plan had to have been adjusted right during pregame. And that's something that a coach does not like. He does not like having to. Now, as much as he understands why he had to do it, still didn't mean he had to, still, still didn't mean he had to like it. And 
So, so already Atlanta's game plan had to get adjusted. And I, like I said, I want to see, I want to see people in roles that they can sit and and thrive in. I want to see if Mike Davis is can be that number one rusher. I want to see if Coral Patterson can be that player, either the either wide out or the running back. I think you should, I think we I think right now we need to use him as the as the wide out and not as kind of this jack of all trades person, which is what he's been which is what he's been using as. So yeah, they they line him up in the backfield. They line him up outside, and I think the guy just wants the ball. I don't think he yeah, cares. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't care where he is. He doesn't care where he is. But I I just want to see some not so much regularity. I just want to see something so that everyone can get can get comfortable. Um, right. And I think another another uh, post I saw was that remember the Falcons' offense really didn't play in any of the preseason games. They really didn't. We didn't see the starters hardly ever. So here they are. That first couple games is their preseason, where they're supposed to have yeah. all the bugs, all the bugs taken out, and none of the bugs were taken out. They had to work through the bugs the first couple weeks, and we thought that once they got on that win streak over the Giants, the Jets, and the Dolphins, that maybe they finally worked things out. But it's apparent now that it's kind of kind of gone back to the drawing board so again we wish Calvin Ridley the best the best of luck that he uh, gets to the root cause and he develops coping strategies that will enable him to function and um, come back to Atlanta as stronger than ever and uh, we hope it happens we yes we want to make sure he has all the time he needs but at the same token you know, we want. Do we want to see the Atlanta Falcons season spiral into nothingness? Although, if the Braves do win today, I don't think anyone will care about the Falcons. Um, they've got the Braves. They've got the Hawks. They've got the Georgia Bulldogs. And oh boy, did Georgia just put a smacking on Florida last night uh, yeah. at the Swamp. I mean, sorry, at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville. Uh, we've said this all season long, guys. I don't see anything changing. Put Georgia in a glass bubble and break them out again at the uh, SEC championship because th there's no way this team is losing. Not with that offense and not with that defense. No, they're not, and you're right. And, and congratulations to them. They actually clinched the SEC East last night with probably. Kentucky losing to Mississippi State. Which probably is the so. earliest they've ever clinched. Huh? Which was probably the earliest they've ever clinched. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen it this early before. So right. it's almost like, what do you do? No, you keep playing. Yeah, you this keep team playing. is, you, this, yeah, this, you, you keep playing it and you, you keep dominating like you do. And that's what they've done. Um, Daniel? Oh, there you are. Yes. That's I'm a, sorry. Yeah, you dropped uh, no, my, my, uh Dropped, yeah. Dropped out so, so my thing is this: they, they they look impressive last night. I mean, in that defense, I've said it; it's the best defense I have seen in, on the collegiate on the collegiate stage ever. I mean, and, we, and I've seen the Miami Hurricanes defense. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. The college football playoff will release its first rankings Tuesday night. And we know Georgia's going to be there. Yeah. We know Georgia's going to be number one. Mm -hmm. But the question is, who's two, who's three, who's four, who's five, who's six, who's ranked in 10? And, and the reason why we're asking ourselves this question is because you still have the case of Alabama. You still have... Well, you still have Oklahoma. Oklahoma. What do you do with Oklahoma? They're still unbeaten. Cincinnati is like the biggest question mark because their only high-profile win is at Notre Dame, and they need for Notre Dame to keep winning games. Yeah, yes. So and that's going to be the major test there. We know who number one is. Georgia's number one, and no one else comes even remotely close mm -hmm. to them. That defense plays so well. That front seven, all seven of those guys, 
could be drafted in the top 20 in next year's draft. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – I think you hit upon the big question. How is Georgia going to stay motivated for these next couple of weeks? Right. Uh, I think they play – I think they have Missouri left, and that might be it for their SEC games. Uh, they have Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech. So oh, how, they have Tennessee. They have Tennessee oh, they too, Tennessee. right? Okay, yeah, they still have Tennessee. Tennessee is their toughest matchup, um, I believe. Right. But the rest of that, you know, and I think they won't have any problem getting ready for Tennessee. They won't have any problem right. with, ten- with that. It's just the other three. And honestly, I think Kirby Smart should try something a little different. Especially for the Charleston Southern game. I think he should start mm-hmm. a second team. I think he should start a second team against Charleston Southern. And maybe even against Missouri, too. Just, <laughs> yeah. just stick them out there for a quarter, see what they can do. And then, you know, if they if they play well and they're ahead, you know, leave them in. But then if they fall if they fall behind or allow touchdowns from the Charleston Southern, then you bring the first team in. No, I, I would I would give their I would give the first team a little time off. Keep them rested. Keep them sharp for uh, for that. Because, like I said, I mean, it's obvious that they don't even – I mean, it's obvious that the defense is on another level right now. doesn't matter who they are. To the, I mean, it doesn't matter how vaunted the team that's coming in. That defense just smacks them down. And they got – and Curry Smart's got to do something to, to keep them – to keep them motivated. Although, I think – honestly, I think it, I think it doesn't matter – I say this only because they're getting, by my point of view, now I'm not a Georgia fan by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I mean, I don't mind, let's put it this way, I don't mind them. You know, I don't mind Georgia. Uh, right. But they're, they're at the point where they're so good, they're boring. Right? Yeah. You, you kind of see where I'm going with this? They're so good that it's almost ho hummish you know i i'll i'll watch when they play alabama uh, i'll watch when they play in the national in these in the college football playoff in the national championship but right now they're just they're just like i said boring and i want some i want to see something to kind of energize ener, energize the interest of the casual fan thing is with georgia there are no casual vans you are either every right. person here in this city who's a Georgia fan is all in on the Georgia Bulldogs. It's it's like a, it's like what I've said. Atlanta is the largest college town in America. The problem is the college is an hour east of here. Why do you yeah. why do you think the Atlanta fan base all uh, the Falcons fan base always want wants them to go after a Georgia Bulldog? Why do you think they were so happy when Todd Gurley was signed? Why do you think they kept right. saying when Sony Michelle was on the trading block, hey, if he was on the trading block, why did the Falcons go get him? You know, if, if, if they had their way, the Atlanta Falcons would draft exclusively Georgia Bulldogs. And they would probably yeah. sell out Mercedes-Benz every game. It, I mean, that's, the, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, they're invested. This is like it's kind of like what I said earlier about the pent up frustration. This is pent up frustration from Georgia Bulldogs fans from 1980. This is 42, 41 years of pent up frustrations of not being the uh, the avowed national championship national champion, and that this is going to explode if Georgia Bulldogs do win the national title. And yeah. if you think Georgia fans were insufferable before, when they have that national title on on their side, they are going to be even more insufferable. But 
that's kind of that's kind of where I am. Yeah, the 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 Georgia fans really doesn't care. They're they they want to see you know they want to see blood in the water. They want to. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They want to see a hundred to nothing. Yeah, they'll take the they'll take the big victory, but they just really want they just really really want to grind it in the throat of everybody of how good this team is. This is something they've been waiting for for forty years, and it's showing. But for the casual fan, you know, it's like, you know, it's it. They're just so good right now. Everybody is so outclassed that it's everything is just kind of boring because I know how it's all going to go. There is absolutely no suspense here. And while the Georgia fans are loving that, for me, the casual fan, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch something else. That's just that's just the way I that's just the way it is for me. Um, part you know that, that's just that's just the way that it that's just the way that is. Yes, I'm a Vanderbilt fan, and we you know we haven't been able to have anything uh, remotely <laughs> remotely something to cheer about in the last five years. <laughs> we've had it. Don't right. get us wrong. We've had it. Haven't had it lately, but we've had it. Yeah. But this is for uh, Georgia is another caliber in terms of they want that national title. Something that they had in 1980 with Herschel Walker. They have not. They've tasted it. They've come tantalizingly close. Alabama has been in the way. But now they think this is the team that can beat Alabama. And I think and I, I think they're right. But we have to get to that, five, to that game in four or five weeks. I just want to get to it now because I'm kind of tired of waiting for it. And I'm going to be tired of boy, and I'm going to be really sick of the buildup when this game comes because it's going to be almost anticlimactic. But you know, that's just the way I am with the, with this Georgia Bulldog team. Uh, you know, it's, it, that that's how I feel about that. So, all right, we had the last few guys do a podcast. Uh, and I uh, want to mention uh, Reinhardt. They went on the road to St. Andrews, won sixty-three to eighteen over the St. Andrews Knights, a career day for Navari Solomon. He had nine receptions, 249 yards, four touchdowns, and those four touchdowns, the Abe Lincoln, all in the first half. So a great game for him. Uh, the Eagles go to 4-0 in the Mid-South Appalachian Conference. They did not clinch the top division title. They can clinch it with a victory over the Union Bulldogs on Senior Day. And that's coming up this Saturday. It's a 4 o'clock start time, so mark that down, 4 o'clock on ReinhardEagles.com, and we'll be on the air at 3.45 Eastern Time. The three of us from the roof at the press box at Ken Whitefield University Stadium for the last regular season home game. The Eagles are currently ranked eighth. They, if they hold on to that, they will get at least a first-round playoff game, and that will not be the following week, because remember, Reinhardt has a bye the last week of the regular season. So it will. So the first round of the playoffs will be uh, doing some math in my head. The 27th, I want to say, November 27th of uh, will be week number one of the first round of the playoffs, because let's see, the 6th, 13th is at Kentucky Christian, 20th the bye, yeah, it should be the 27th is when the first round will take place. And the I was talking with a lot of the players uh, during the trip to St. Andrews, and there is a lot of bumps and bruises, because remember, Reinhardt has, is going to play 11 straight weeks. This team is going to need that bye week in two weeks just to heal just to get better and to get everyone back 100% heading to those playoffs run. Because let's be honest, playing professional football, playing any type of football for 11 straight weeks, it takes a toll on you. And you do need that break. Yeah. And they need it bad because they, they've been going nonstop since the beginning of the year. They've had some bumps in the road. Of course, they had to play Kennesaw on a Thursday night. Uh, to open up the season, um, and they've had a couple of emotional games, you know, where they had to really, you know, that where teams brought the very best out of them. I mean, you look at Bethel. Bethel, they went up to Bethel and, and tried to make a heroic comeback effort, but it fell short. And then 
Faulkner comes down here for probably the game of the year for them, for for both teams, and they win a grinded out 14-6 victory. And, they, and you know, they, they get back. The offense gets back to it uh, a couple of days ago against St. Andrews and put up 63 points. And I'm looking at the stats here, and it is, uh, once again, not Reinhardt-like. They're throwing – they throw the ball more than they're running the football. They threw for 366 yards. Yes. Yeah, they're 209 yards for running the football. But Billy Hall getting it to Navari Solomon, <laughs> ugh, man. <laughs> We've said it before, and, and the three of us have just marveled over this kid. That and he's just a sophomore, and and he hasn't been a hundred, and he hasn't been a hundred percent. Because remember, he didn't play yeah. against he didn't play against Bethel. He's been uh, nursing some bumps and bruises. He desperately wants that bye week to come. Uh, but again, to get two hundred and fifty yards on nine receptions, four touchdowns, and those four t- touchdowns in the first half alone. And Daniel, you would have been proud of me because I remarked that he, that for those four touchdowns, he was up against single coverage from the safety. And the safety, wow. the safety was a freshman, and then they were just getting absolutely torched. He runs that little diagonal route where he cuts across. Uh-huh. He has the safety behind him, and there's and once they get it to him in stride, you know you're not catching him that way. So you know it was it was a great piece of performance by Navari Solomon, and we're just gotta ask ourselves why why won't they double cover this man? You gotta give the safety some help. Um, I'm glad they didn't, but it's just a question I'm I'm just asking myself. You gotta, if you're a safety one on one in this guy, you need help, or else you're gonna commit a lot of personal fouls, a lot of pass interference penalties, and the perform, and you're gonna get a performance like you got last last uh, yesterday up in Laurenburg. So. That's and again, uh, Reinhardt will play Union. Union, the Bulldogs again. Union has had its COVID issues. They've, uh, I think, three games have been COVID canceled. But they did play last week. They did play the week before. So I'm hoping they'll come. They'll make the trek down from Barberville. They should. But again, if 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 not, I'm sure Reinhardt would welcome the break, even though they're not going to say that. But that's pretty much where we are with the Eagles. Uh, Pace Academy, they won big over Washington. It went down, actually it went down to the wire. It went into overtime, 31-30 to over Washington. That clinches a playoff berth for Pace Academy. Uh, their seating still up in the air. Could be two, three, or four. It depends on a, two things. It depends on whether or not Pace can beat Kip Academy this coming Thursday night. And it will also depend on the Columbia South Atlanta matchup. And that's going to be, uh, I think, the following day. Also, the uh, Daniel Daniel and I will be handling Pace Academy basketball, boys and girls, on the NFHS network. The preseason polls were just released. Pace Academy, number one as the defending champion. Number two, the Columbia Eagles. And Columbia, very strong program. And they are in Pace's region. So we are going to see some excellent basketball on the high school level this campaign really looking forward to it the scrimmage date is november 10th against north atlanta girls start november 13th in a tournament at holy innocence i believe they're playing greater atlanta christian not 100 sure on that the boys they're going to start november 16th home against feral and we will definitely be on the call for that we'll have more information on that as time uh, as time gets closer we are Tomorrow is November, start of November. It's start of a six-week stretch where basketball and football coincide, and it and that's where sportscasters have to really be sharp, be on their toes, because you may have base, basketball one day, football the next, vice versa. Really, really hard to try and keep everything straight, uh, but we're going to do our best to do it, and should be should be a lot of fun as we get going on this. And, of course, our next game will Daniel and I Thursday night from, uh, well, it was announced Lakewood, but uh, the game last week got, got kind of got moved over to um, Henderson Stadium. So it's either going to be Lakewood or Henderson. And, of course, the Saturday game 
at Union College, uh, with home in Waleska against Union College. So, well, in about 20 minutes, it's time for Braves baseball. So we are going to take our leave and go watch the Braves and hopefully game set, game four, I'm sorry, game five, will give Atlanta their first Super Bowl title in 24 years. Either way, we will talk about the result of the World Series next week here on Facebook Live. And again, you can catch this episode on its replay Tuesday when it gets uh, when it gets dropped on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. Daniel and Leon, thanks so much. Uh, Leon, I'm sorry. Wait, we, sh we should have sent you to the battery for fan on the street interviews. I'm should have gotten should have gotten you out there, but I, hopefully next year we can actually pull that off. And uh, good luck getting to sleep tonight. And we'll talk to you. We will definitely talk to you because all three of us will be on the roof on Saturday. All right. Appreciate all you guys for watching and listening. Have a good night. Go Braves. This has been the last three guys to do a podcast. Uh, come on.